0: Fern, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. How you doing?
1: Doing good. Thanks for having me. This is going to cool. be exciting.
0: So as always on on this, uh, when I do this, i just like to start off with give me a little bit of background on you, who you are. Most people listening to this probably won't know you. Tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So my name is Brandon Fern. I'm a soccer director here at Glacier Surf in Kalispell, Montana. I've been a soccer coach and in the youth soccer game for about 10 years now. Got out of it um, right after college. I even did a little bit of coaching in high school when I got injured um, and wasn't able to play for a year. So got a pretty early start in coaching. But um, yeah, now what I get to spend most of my time doing is working with kids from ages you know six all the way up till eighteen and um, helping them progress as soccer individuals and just as better humans, hopefully.
0: And the reason I really well one we've spent a lot of time. My Mm -hmm. kids have spent time in your program, and I would say personally, I just think you're one of the best coaches I've ever come across in any sport. I just think you have a very good way about you, and you're positive all the time, but I think outside of that, there's been some things that happened locally here with kids and mental health. Mm -hmm. We had a string of, that's probably not the right word, but I think over the course of Correct me if I'm wrong here. If you know this, two, remember. Years. Yeah, a couple of years. There were a bunch of suicides amongst yeah. teenagers in the Valley, in the Flathead Valley, where we live in Montana. And because of that, you and I spent a fair amount of time talking about mental health in kids. Right. And that's why I wanted to have you on is because one, we had those conversations and I thought there was a lot of good stuff that came out of that. Yeah, But also, you've got a lot of experience dealing, not as a counselor, neither one of us are psychiatrists or anything like that, but as a coach dealing with kids. And coaches can have a lot of impact on children, I think. Huge impact. Obviously. And there's a lot of it that um, what you say to kids as a coach will make a difference, I think, of how they are in the rest of their lives
1: Um, oh it definitely can
0: and so that's kind of where i wanted to start i guess let's start with that just what you've seen here in the last couple years um, with kids and just maybe some of your experiences as a coach or even your own personal experiences as a player with other coaches things you've seen maybe trends you've seen or things that have been impactful for you or, or might be worth talking about in terms of kids and mental health? Yeah.
1: Trends is a good way is I think when you look back over 10 years, you start to see patterns of if we do it like this over and over again, I'm starting to see that this same thing keeps happening. And so what I see as a coach is we have, um, and I was even just listening to the the last podcast with Ben and I love that he said, words matter. Words are huge. And it's kind of funny how us as people, um, can be so impacted by sounds that come out of another human's mouth. But I can remember all the way back to, and obviously I won't throw anyone under the bus here, but I had a, a, a couple of coaches that maybe spoke way more negatively than they did positively. And I remember just as a young you know, person trying to figure out who am I? Am I worth something in this world? It had a big effect on me. And I think... I remember, I can't remember the exact year, but I remember the moment that some coach, and it wasn't even about me, one of our coaches said something really negative to one of our other players in training, just, this is awful, this was pathetic, this was abysmal. And you could tell that the kid wasn't trying to embarrass himself in front of everybody, he just made a mistake, as kids are going to do in a sport. But I just remember thinking, when I get to be a coach, I am not going to say it like that. That was the very first moment I ever even thought about being a coach myself. I must have been 14 or 15. But I remember thinking when I get to be an adult, I'm just going to find a way not to speak like that because I was thinking it's a game. Why are we getting so upset with these kids that are trying to learn like that goes against everything that that learning is I call mistakes, learning accelerators. Hey, we made a mistake. That's not working. What can we do to change it? And so I just remember very early on hearing a coach's words, not even to me, but with another player, and thinking. There's a different way that we can communicate that's going to have a better result. Because obviously, what does a coach want? Coach doesn't want the mistakes to happen, so we can all feel like we're winning, right? The kid doesn't want the mistakes to happen, so he can feel like the hero, so we can all move forward. But I think a big part of going into coaching of any kind is recognizing that there's going to be mistakes. Expect that. Embrace it. And now how are we going to kind of even like what Ben said in the last podcast, how are we going to envision what happens when the mistakes occur? How are we going to react? What's going to set us off as a trigger for me personally, as a coach, I do have a trigger. I'll admit it. It's when I can see that the kids themselves aren't engaged, maybe not listening, not giving the due respect to the, either their teammate or someone else talking and just seem like they don't really care to be there. That, I've had to learn even in the past two and a half years, like, is there something else that I can do to make this more engaging for them? Instead of, you know, as a young coach, you you usually blame the kid. The kid is trying to disrupt what I'm doing here. But then I started to think, no, he's probably just bored. I didn't make the session interesting enough or maybe I had too long of a line. And so I try to think of what as a coach can I do to keep someone's focus? Because that's what we do a lot of as A coach is managing focus, attention, and trying to apply, uh, get kids to apply knowledge to different
0: puzzles, really. And so, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is that piece of coaching ever coached? You obviously have taken courses in coaching, but when they, when they do that, like, let's say you take a course about how to be a soccer coach. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but maybe you could get into that a little bit without getting into too many technical details. But a piece of that is, Hey, these drills, like when I'm trying to coach just as a parent, I'm like, okay, I need some drills to do. And I've got to make sure that we, we keep it fresh every practice and we're not doing the same thing over and over again. But the piece of like how to communicate that to people isn't really ever gone over. And I've, not I guess I much. wouldn't expect that. Is that piece part of coaching training at all? Right? It's to say it's not yeah. just about what we're trying to get these kids to do. This drill where they pass this, they pass it two times and then they shoot it. But also <laughs> right. how I communicate that to kids to get the desired effect and to your point because at the end of the day you want them to win, you want them to play as a team, you want I and mean, you want them to be motivated as well, right? And have a positive right. experience. Is that ever taught at all? I've,
1: I've found that it's been taught, but you can tell very, uh, very quickly that it wasn't part of the curriculum. It was just a very wise instructor that realized, hey, this is the good information, right? The good training sessions, but how to teach it is really what we're all here for. We're trying to create better communicators. And so I could tell because I'll take lots of different courses here and there, and I can tell it just seems like they improvise and add that in. But it doesn't seem a big part of the curriculum, at least not as much as I think that it could be. I think that's one area that we could definitely improve in in terms of coaching education is how are you going to communicate it? What are specific phrases that you might use to get a kid's attention? And so what I've seen is that's that's kind of the, the area that's often left out. And I can see there's some coaches that I'll talk to about these things and they say I've never heard that before. And I'm thinking, well, we take the same licensing, but I must have just gotten some some wise mentors that added that in. And um, some of those things include, how do you get a kid's attention? I, I You've probably seen me even do this. I'll do something like clap twice if you're listening to me. So right. then all these kids are hearing a clapping sound. So everyone kind of perks up and is like, why are we all clapping? Clap three times if you can hear me. You know, so clap, clap. clap. Oh no, that was all disorganized. Let's make it all at the same moment. So that way we're getting our focus all on the same page and kind of recentering ourselves. And I'll use that multiple times or take a knee, like get down on one knee if you can hear me. So suddenly the whole group responds and people are responding to the group. And that way I don't have to just shout, hey, everybody pay attention to me, you know, because that would would kind of trigger an angry feeling. And so with these kids to keep it positive, let's make it a game. Let's find a way to make it a game. Um, And to your point, is this really... Uh, taught. I would say not as much as it could be. I think that there's a lot that can be learned from different ways to communicate with kids that manages attention, helps them feel heard and understood, but also helps them arrive at the conclusion in their own mind. Guided questions, the best way to do that. Instead of me saying, hey, Chris, I want you to use your right foot and cross the ball with your laces. You could say, hey, Chris, how could you get the ball from here all the way over there? You could say, well, I could pass it like on the ground or in the air. So I'm getting you to come to the conclusion yourself, and that way, hopefully, it's going to stick in your memory memory longer because you came up with it. What do you think about all of that? Do you think that's a good approach, or yeah, is this absolutely, something you could be doing better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just think about the fact that when I was a coach in your club here yeah. in in the Flathead Valley, and I remember you guys bringing us in. And it was interesting. I'd never had a meeting like this, but you basically said, what's the sort of worst, uh, pretty much anybody there that's a coach (laughs) was a player at some point. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of us played a lot. I mean, I played my entire childhood. And the question was kind of like, what at some point turned you off from soccer? And, And it was a little bit of a loaded question, but it was like, you probably had a coach at some point that just kind of didn't do a good job right was either yelled too much or was too negative or whatever and every, everyone had that kind of negative experience and actually mine I don't know if I taught this uh, or talked about this but uh, I might save it for later mine was as a referee actually with parents who were oh, yeah. so abusive. Remind me of the story. I
1: remember I remember something bad happened I remember Yeah that. so I'll, I'll, I'll do it
0: So the uh, and I probably don't remember my age exactly correctly on yeah, this, yeah. but I think I was maybe 14 or 15 years old and I was a referee. I was a kid hmm. referee. I'd gotten my license to referee in the state of Massachusetts. So I would play, played pr- competitive soccer. And then I would also referee on the weekends. And I had this game where I was coaching, I, I don't know, or sorry, refereeing kids that were probably I don't know, 11 or 12 or something like that. They obviously had to be younger than me.
1: Oh yeah, right. About two. I don't years know, I maybe I maybe I did a
0: poor job on this game. But the parents were yeah, so yeah. abusive to me, screaming and yelling. And as you know, these things can snowball. Once the oh, once that starts do. happening in a game, yeah. the referee gets a little rattled, and then the parents. So things just get worse and worse and worse. And at the end of this game, I. I, it was at a school, some local elementary school, and I just I ran behind the, this school and just crouched down and was sobbing to myself. And I was like, oh, "I'm never going to referee yeah. again." No. And I remember my I, my mom came and picked me up, and I was I was just like all tears. And that was it. I think that was the last time I re- ever refereed. So yeah. I actually got <laughs> run out of refereeing as a kid yeah. because of parents who were just abusive to me, essentially. And And it's just
1: words too. Isn't that funny? It's words. It's other people expressing a negative opinion and that influences our emotional state to the point where we're like, I'm never going to do that again. We associate it with refereeing, whereas it could just be that one parent group was awful and they were, they were terrible, you know, but it sounds like you and I had very similar experiences with the referee because I had a very similar instance uh, when I was, um, when I was about 14 as well called the wrong way. Although this time it was the kid that was just crying in tears. And I felt like I made that kid cry. I never refereed until about two years ago where there's a nationwide referee shortage right now. I'm actually I just two weeks ago became a certified referee assigner, which usually doesn't happen until you're much more experienced as a referee. But just due to uh, the need, I became a certified referee assigner, took the course about six hours really good material. But then you start to look at the whole other side of how do we assign, um, when do we assign a young kid to a game? You may have even been assigned to a game that was a little bit above that level, or uh, maybe you felt like you could handle it, but with the, uh, the sideline demeanor with the parents, that, that affects you. And that's a big role of what a referee assigner does now too. So even in my role, I'm working with mentoring other referees, with as much as I know, and even in good communication techniques and how to diffuse the situations. Um, And I'll let you go on here in a second. But um, in terms of those, when you start to get the crowd that's out of, uh, that's just really nasty. How do you handle that so it doesn't continue to snowball? That's something that I never thought I could control until even just recently, I, uh, this past weekend, I was in a situation where I had to diffuse some very tense emotions on the sidelines just using communication tonality body language and to me that really unlocked something especially when it comes back to kids how we can speak to each other can completely change emotional states whether you're really angry whether you're you know unconfident our words matter and what we say can completely change a situation but yeah i i agree with you completely i mean if i had that situation i would not want to be (laughs) Back on <laughs> well, I think
0: I think back on it now. And obviously there's things on both sides that could have been done better. One, I didn't need to take it so hard, obviously. As a 14-year-old kid or whatever it yeah. was, I was young. That's harder to do. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> have you ever read The Four Agreements, that book? No. What's that about? It's, um, oh, man, it's such a great book. Uh, that Don sounds Miguel, so familiar. Don Miguel Ruiz, author. It's one of the books that I've recommended people to read on my things to read. But it is mm. essentially four rules to live your life by, and it's based what on are those four rules. They, well, gosh, I feel like I'm plagiar or I'm fun. like uh, giving away the book. No, no, no. It's yeah, like oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't feel appropriate because <laughs> right? it's it's like giving away the entire book. It's a very okay. short book though, and it's based on I can't remember the culture it's based on, but it's based on kind of this ancient, I think, sort of Mesoamerican culture of some sort that had these, these kind of core beliefs. I'm probably Mm. getting that a little bit wrong. So I apologize. But, um, but one of them is don't take things personally. And it, and the whole idea is like whatever anybody else does, it's not about you ever, Mm. even if it's directed at you. Um, And the guy even says in the book, he says, even if somebody came up to you and put a, and shot you in the face, even at that level, it's not personal. It's not about you. It's a problem with that person. Yeah, It's their issue. And that's something we all really struggle with. But it's it's such a great – and the the idea with those four agreements is like they're like core rules. If you can just remember these things every single day, so much of what you do will end up better. The way you approach things, the way that you deal with things – Anyway, it's a fantastic book. It's a really short read. I actually like the audio version. Um, the guy that reads oh, it is yeah. Peter Coyote. And it's, he's got a great voice and the way he reads it. It's fantastic. It takes about two hours, I think, if you're listening to it. You're listening on a course. car ride. Yeah, yeah, you can listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A long car ride. You can read it. But anyway, like that, that lesson would have been a great one at that level and vice versa, right? So if you think about it, the parents on the sideline, and this is something that's mm. a problem in sports everywhere, everywhere, in kids' sports, it's the, the parents getting out of control, which is a complete lack of awareness and a complete <laughs> lack of just realizing what we're doing here. This is a kid's soccer game or whatever it may be. Right. It's not that important. It really no. just isn't worth getting all wound up. And you mentioned the shortage of referees. And I wonder, do you, do you know, because I've seen this in lots of places, Do you know what the cause of that is? Is that sort of work shortages across the board like we've seen because of COVID? you see now hiring signs everywhere? Mm -hmm. Or is it some of that? Like this is a thankless job and people are just like, look, I'm not going to go out there and get berated for
1: an hour. Yeah, it's... I didn't even realize until I took the course. It's really two things. Um, And they put some of the blame on the assigners. They put a little bit more responsibility on a referee assigner themselves. So one, obviously, is definitely referee abuse. You go out there and you get yelled at as a 15-year-old kid, told you're trash. You don't know what you're seeing. And there's going to be mistakes. You're human. There's the human element of the game. And as a 15-year-old, there's no way that you can have every part of being a referee you know, fully trained and just have it muscle memory. It takes practice. They're out there practicing with the 12 year olds and the 10 year olds so that they can one day, hopefully be with the older ages. So when a young referee hears that abuse and doesn't have the support of a referee mentor, or maybe a more experienced assistant referee on the side with the parents that can kind of help diffuse some of the emotions or even help remove some of those problem people from the uh, situation. Um, It's damaging. Those kids are not going to come back. So every time someone takes the course, they have an experience like that, they don't come back. And as a referee assigner, I had one referee this past weekend that just got berated by a coach. And I remember she just went home and she just felt absolutely awful um, as anyone would. And so being able to come talk to her the next day of saying like, look, thank you. Thank you for going through that. And here are some ways to help this not happen again. She got back out there and we got so many compliments on her the second day. She just had that willingness to go back out into an arena that was very scary for a 15-year-old. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, uh, even if someone came up and shot you in the face, it's not you, it's them. And what I even like to call these, I call them linguistic kill shots. Because when you were out there and you heard it, all those people were firing these insults at you, and it felt in your internal state horrific. It felt almost like you'd been wounded, and that's why you had to go back and decompress and just purge all of those feelings, you know. Um, but I call them linguistic kill shots. You see them in uh, with coaches too. They'll say, "Johnny, what was that?" When they missed a shot. Well, <laughs> watch the professional game. People that get paid hundreds of millions of dollars are missing the shot, but it's to be expected. Instead of saying, Hey, Johnny, what was that? And then their kid goes, their head goes down like this. It looks like they've just been shot in the head. Well, guess what? The ball comes to the next play. Do you think that they are going to be in the best positive state of mind to finish the shot this time? Or are they going to just have a snowballing effect where maybe they miss again and then they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm terrible? That's where that self doubt, uh, that self that negativity starts to come in. But imagine this. Imagine we rewind, we go back, and I say, Hey, Johnny. And he looks over at me. The coach is obviously going to say something. I love that. He just missed a shot. I love that you take risks. I love that. Next time, I want you to check. I'm going to challenge you check to see if there's a cross. See if that works for you next time. So it's already, we've moved past that moment, and the guy's like, Okay, coach. Sounds good. He's got a smile on his face. He feels good. He doesn't even know why he feels good. He just made a mistake. But the coach got his attention. Hey, Johnny, I love that. He's like, you love, you love that I made a mistake? No, I love that you were willing to shoot. That was great. Next time, I want you to make a decision, scan, look around, see if there is some other decision that would maybe help in a better way instead of shooting from that angle. Or, hey, were you in the best situation to shoot right there? You have like a positive inflection, right? You got a smile. Were you in the best situation to shoot? He's like, no, I wasn't. It's like, okay, next time, what should you do? Uh, I would cross the ball. But then the kid isn't affected. There's no linguistic kill shot. You keep that verbal negativity from ever happening. And I tell coaches, hey, do you want to go out there and lose in front of everybody? Like, well, no. It's like, great. So then why are you talking to kids in a way that's only going to make them worse throughout the game? What if you changed the way that you were speaking and you could both maybe get a little bit more of what you want? You want that kid to play well, but how we're communicating it is not effective. Now I may have gotten a little off topic from your question there, so no, just no, no. keep me on it's fine. sometimes you get off you of actually, it, right
0: there's a technique there which we've talked about yeah. before, which is really well known, the criticism sandwich which yeah. is what you're essentially doing. The, the yeah. final piece would be, and then the last thing you say is something positive again. Positive. So it's, yeah. Hey, but I love, love your the, energy. Fact, love the yeah. fact that you took, right. Hey, thanks. Great job. I'm glad you pulled the trigger there and took, took the shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about soccer, not, 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 not a weapon. <laughs> right. I'm glad you took, you, you took a shot on goal there next time. Think about this X, Y, Z, whatever, but love, but love the aggressiveness. Keep it up. Right. That sort right. of positive thing. Slide in the, the meat of the sandwich, the which is the, the criticism, what you can do better, or highlight, have them come up with what they can do better, and then follow it up with something positive, right? Right. And, and I love right. that
1: you said That's, uh, it's like a, what did you call it, a something sandwich? Criticism sandwich. It's I like that. Like, because like the bread it's visual. The, 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 the bread is head. the
0: negative yeah. stuff, <laughs> and the, the meat is the positive thing in the. Yeah. In the, oh, sorry. No.
1: The bread's uh, the positive stuff, and then yeah. the
0: meat's the negative in the middle.
1: It's very visual. And you tell coaches like that, hey, did you use the sandwich method? Oh, I forgot to say something positive, then the constructive, and then the positive. It's very visual. They can all picture a sandwich. And so hopefully that will help them remember as well. And I think that's where the job as a director comes in too. You have to be policing your coaches, helping them educate and come to the next level as a communicator
0: themselves. What I would say, I think what I see anyways, tell me if you disagree on this. Hmm. is the trend is we're getting worse at that type of thing. Again, oh, yeah. the reason why referees yeah. are leaving or, or or whatever is because we seem to be angrier on sidelines. We seem to be angrier yeah. at referees. We seem to – I see coaches that don't ever do that at all. It's just a lot of negative yelling. And I, I'll be honest. I mean, it's not over the top. A, a lot of games I've been sure. where the other coach is great and they're yeah. fine. But occasionally, you definitely see a coach where you're like, wow, that person is really negative and really screaming. Right. And why is that? Because I just wrote an article. My article for mm-hmm. Rare Sense this month was about anger and our propensity for that. And the fact that I think we're, we're trending in the wrong direction because of the media that's yeah. put at us. And sort. it's rewarded in a lot of ways. We We have a system now that's kind of built on, I'm going to help you be angry all day long. I
1: like how you said that. We're going to help you be angry because like you've even touched on, I think in your last podcast and maybe even in your article is the, why do we do that? Because it gets clicks. It starts to become so much about, can I get attention? I'll do whatever I have to, to get your attention. Hey, look at this terrible thing that's happening right now. Oh my gosh. I'm so angry. Anger is It can almost be a drug, uh, even though you're not feeling any better from it, but it just triggers and it becomes a habit. Like uh, even Ben was talking about in the last podcast is what triggers you? Could you just let that go? That moment's gone. Do I, am I going to be angry about it five years from now, or can I just let it go quicker? But we're trained to hold on to anger and to hold on to those moments. And like you even said, a referee, easy target. I don't know you. You don't know me. I can yell back here. You maybe don't know who said it. And what are you going to do about it? Really, Same well, thing and as it's a coach. also I th- you know? I think you're going
0: to right? And if you're used to sort of professional sports, like mm-hmm. okay, that's a little bit more. Yeah, more things are on the line. Yeah, well, and it and they're they're professionals. If you go if you go watch a professional sporting event, soccer, football, baseball, whatever, the people on the field are being paid a lot of money. They're professionals, and they're used to that, and they're hopefully right. They're more accustomed to it. Um, But I just think kids, and I'm not saying that's acceptable, but it's just okay. You know, you paid to be there, and it's a little (laughs) bit part of the situation, right? But with kids' sports. I just think it's completely different. And personally, I just think it's unacceptable. I mean, I've always tried as a coach to, I mean, one of the most important things I try to impress upon the kids I'm coaching is sportsmanship towards your own teammates, the other team, the referee, you do everything with respect. You're not denigrating anybody out there, win or lose, right? right? So the question is that I would have here, all of the things I'm, I talk about here getting you on here is trying to have things that are actionable for people. And it might not apply to everybody, but in this situation, it's like a lot of us out here are parents. We have kids and a lot of us are parent coaches as well. Like I've coached soccer for, I don't know, probably 10 years at this point for my kids, maybe a little bit less than that, seven or eight years. And we don't have a lot of training in that regard. So are there things that we can take into consideration Are the best practices from your perspective as an actual technical director of a club who sees this all the time, who's trying to get parents to be coaches, paid or otherwise? Um, are there sort of simple techniques or are there things like courses people could take? I'm just kind of curious like how, oh, yeah. you, how you go about turning a parent into an effective coach who, again – might not have any training and is not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Sure. And is, um, and might even be misguided too. like coaching a coach, how you pull a coach aside and say, Hey dude, like not acceptable. Right. How do you do that? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, that's a great question. Even like I'll preface it with, for those youth soccer games, not the pros who is usually on the sidelines of a youth soccer game. U 12 who's usually there on the sidelines that would be yelling on the referees. But oh, What's our well, it's audience? Parents. It's almost all parents or siblings. And so what we usually hear is we hear the parents on the sidelines. So I'd say this applies to anybody that's listening to how do you just be a better human? How do you be? And it's there's benefit for them as well. You're going to be less angry because of it. Now, I get one of the things that I hear the most is, well, the referee wasn't protecting my kid. Right. And that I can understand. That's the mama bear instinct. That's the the data, bear. you know, just looking at it, saying that's my kid. I don't want them hurt. Right. As a referee, you got to keep people safe, first and foremost. But even when you feel like something's happening, how do we go about it? And you say, what are specific techniques that we could be using? And in our club, thankfully, uh, with me and our director of coaching, um, what we do is we've sent out an email. Usually we send it out before tournaments on parent behavior and how to do it instead of just don't yell at the refs well that's not great advice we got to substitute that with an appropriate behavior because you you feel something you want to be involved you want to be heard people want to be heard from the sidelines that's why they're yelling but how can we be heard in a way that's positive for everybody and so what i say is let's only speak in reaction to a play and let's keep it on the kids so instead of johnny come on cross the ball shoot it kick it, go, you know, get back. Instead of coaching the kid, when they get back, say, great hustle. Johnny, I love it. I love watching you play. Timmy, that was amazing. Suddenly they're hearing all these positive, encouraging uh, messages from the sidelines. And I would even say, can you, because it's very easy to see the dirt in somebody. The referee, a good referee is the one where no one kind of recognized they were even there in the game. Yep, that's right. You're like, oh, yeah, we had a referee. I don't know. I guess he was good. I didn't. He didn't tick me off. That's a good referee. Right. Right. But he didn't get any praise. I would even go as far, and I have not seen this done before, but I would love to challenge people to try it, see if it puts them in a better mood at the end of the day. It's just a great call, ref. Thanks for, for, for being there, you know, little things like that, not passive aggressive, just thanking the referee occasionally and not good call ref, way to call the yellow card on the other guy, but do it on things that are straight neutral, way to be there ref, you know, just maybe once or twice a game, something that lets the ref know like, hey, that was awesome. You're great. Um, I think we could do a little bit more of that, but I'd say in terms of just parents from the sideline, keep it on the kids, keep it in reaction to a play that's happening. Great shot, great hustle, way to jog back, great skill move. I love that. Suddenly you have all this positive, encouraging energy that's coming out of our mouths and then you're in a better mood. If there's a bad call, the best thing that I do is just mumble, just shake your head underneath. If you disagree, have the little spillways, right? Have the little ways to diffuse your anger, but not in a way that's publicly going to incite Other people. Because here's what I always tell you first off, have you ever seen a referee change their mind? I have twice, but that's just because they weren't supposed to do that. They were very unconfident, um, and that was a long time ago. But most of the time, if you say, ref, that was not a foul, I've never seen one be like, ah, you're right. Let's not call this foul anymore. Because they're trained, you go with your decision. You have three to five seconds after you see the call, process what happened make a decision and stick to it, right or wrong. And this is what I'll even tell referees. And I got this is not my information. I got this from two brilliant referees that have mentored me and just communication. I'll have a kid that said, I didn't foul him. And I'd say, look, I hear you. I was like, and I was like, what I saw is you got more of the man than you got the ball and it disrupted the play. So I'm going to call a free kick, but I'm going to watch for that in the future. And I hear you. And if I miss this, it's on me. I always say, if I miss this, it's on me. Like, I I understand. I'm taking responsibility if I got the call wrong. That's uh, uh, one of those books that uh, you may have heard of called Extreme Ownership. Taking ownership for things. Like, hey. In fact, I even messed up a game. One of the first games I ever refereed. I went to a sideline and I accidentally did, um, the. I think the guys, they wanted thirds instead of halves because it was a training game. And I think I let one half, only go 10 minutes. I can't remember what I did, completely botched the time. And all the parents were thinking, what the heck is going on? The coaches are thinking it. I went over, addressed the entire sideline, said, guys, I completely messed this up. I am so sorry, I messed this time up. What I'm gonna do about it is I'm gonna add on a little extra time here in this second, third, or whatever it is that they wanted us to do to make up for it. And everyone's like, okay, thanks, ref, thanks. People like to know that they've been hurt. Like there's a mistake. I want that person to know that there was a mistake, right? Even in the last podcast, there was like, if someone cuts you off, I want that person to know that they messed with the wrong person. <laughs> right. now, what if we flipped our, our mindset and we had a, I'm going to let that go. And instead, can I be part of the solution and making it positive again? You know, I think we stay in a better, uh, Positive mental headspace when we do that ourselves. What well, do you think?
0: so one of the things that um, I, I think about as a as a coach, I mean, in, in all circumstances, but specifically in coaching and talking to kids about that kind of reaction, because occasionally yeah. you do have kids that will yell back at referees. And I know mm-hmm. we, as a player, I'm sure I did that too at times where I'm like, "Oh, come on," and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you and the point I make with any of the kids I'm coaching is, is that going to do anything? Is there any impact to your point? Is it going to change the referee's mind? No, they don't change their minds. They made a call. Maybe you agree with it. Maybe you disagree with it. But at that point, some kind of reaction like that has zero effect. In fact, it only really negatively impacts you. Right. It only potentially negatively impacts you or gets the referee going against you, potentially. If you're the one who's always yelling and complaining, and I've seen that too, so the point, the one I always try to make, I learned this actually from a CrossFit coach from CJ Martin who mm. runs Invictus. And he had a point where he was, um, I went to a course of his and he had Josh Bridges, who's a games level athlete doing overhead squats. And it was a demonstration of a competition where he's calling out the reps and he's like, no rep. And he, and Josh stood back up and he said, hey, why was that a no rep? And people were like, oh, he went too low. Or he he didn't go low enough. Nope. Um, he didn't extend his hips enough. He didn't get him forward enough. Nope. Why why was it a no rep? And he's and someone said because the judge said it's a no rep. And he's like, right. Oh, I like that.
1: Yeah. It's
0: because the judge said and the, that it's a no rep. That's the only right. thing that matters. Mm-hmm. And the point I make with the kids is, hey, if a rep ref calls a trip against you, why was it a yeah. trip? And they'll say, the same, oh, because I clipped a guy. Da, da, da. I said, no, why did, Why was it a trip? Yeah. Because the referee said it was. Right. And that's all that matters that. in that moment. So unless you think you can change his mind, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if right. you actually <laughs> yeah. tripped the kid, if you meant to do it, if you didn't mean to do it. All you can do is go, got it. That's a trip. And you can potentially learn, okay, if I go this, this hard on is the kid, right? Like this is trip. kind of where this guy... Or right. girl calls things and that's helpful as well.
1: Very. Uh, and it's, 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 it's funny perception. every time
0: I do that with it's the perception. team, you can see the head like, Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. Interesting. I want to make one point about the parents too. And yeah, that is, yeah. I remember you guys putting out those emails, which are really mm-hmm. helpful that kind mm-hmm. of say, Hey parents, you're not on the sideline to coach. You're there to cheer, cheer positively, right. do these things. Don't disrupt all those types of things. I remember we had a team I think that because of that took it a little too seriously and they were very reticent. They were very hesitant to do anything, Say to anything. cheer, where it was really yeah. quiet on the sideline. And me and the other coach went up to them, I think two games into a tournament and said, hey, you, we're not telling you don't cheer. Right. <laughs> we're just you saying cheer. don't be yeah. negative. And so the next game, they were super loud, all positive, mm-hmm. And the kids played so much better. They had so much more energy in that game too. Right. And then we went up to them afterwards and said, that was perfect. Like do that every game. And so the lesson I learned out of that was a lot of it too, is just proper communication as it always is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's getting the message to them, the appropriate message, and then giving them the feedback of that's what we need you to do. Just like the example right. of the kid making the mistake of, taking a bad shot or whatever, the same type of yep. thing. If you can kind of get everybody on the same page. And I think that's really huge. Just that communication piece to not only the kids, but again, the parents, because they can make a difference. If you have a, a, a huge a cheering section huge. is fantastic, right? Like, that's like positive energy. From home
1: advantage. Why do people like doing that? They yes. love it right. because the energy is positive. And that's so right. how can we, as the people that may be at the top managing things down, can we play an influence? What I love about what you did is you saw, Okay, yelling at the referees, that's the bottom. We don't want that. No cheering whatsoever, that's boring. So why do we have fans at all to cheer, to put positive energy back in there? And so when we're training people how to spectate and how to spectate appropriately, you know, we take it to that next level. I love that you unlocked their potential. And I bet they had so much of it bottled up. They were just exciting to say something because everyone wants to feel a part of it no one goes to a game to just say i want to be completely left out you go to be a part of it i think as a fan now there's some people that are wiser that would correct me and say i actually don't i said away from the parents i'm just there to observe but i mean the majority of people if you're going to a sporting event you want to cheer when something happens right you want to add your mark to it and i think that teaching people how to do that in a way that's going to help everybody win is a very positive thing and it is our responsibility as directors, as referee assigners, as educators at the top level is, hey, if this is how you want the world to be, a leader defines reality. What you did is you just went over and you persuaded people to either not say anything or to say things in a certain way. And so if we want change in the world, we have to go out and know how to ask for it. That's the big thing, learning how to ask for that change. Because what I love, just to point on what you said about the referees, why is it a call? Because the referee saw that. It comes all the way back to perception is reality. If I perceived it, then it is so. There's no way to go back, show the referee the recording at <laughs> right. the youth level right now. Maybe right. one day. But um I think at the youth level, if we can use that as a training ground for fans, coaches to just say positive things, we don't need VAR at that level. If there's, I have so many kids being like, the ref botched that. That goes back to that victim mentality. We lost because of the ref. Hey, I saw we had 10 shots on goal. And the one that um, went in that maybe the referee said was not a goal, that's the one you're dwelling on. But the other nine, the keeper caught or it didn't go on target. We could have won that game despite the ref. So we're looking at uh, someone to put the problems, to put the – Um, the blame on we lost because not of me. No, I'd be like, no, we owned it. We didn't do as well as the other team did credit to them. And if the ref called one or two things, you have to account for variable change. Every time I go into the ref, uh, into a game, I think the ref is going to influence two to three calls. that could be game changing. How do we accept that and still win the game outside of it? Just go into it, expecting that to happen. And it's that expectation versus reality. If you're expecting a perfect game, you're always going to be noticing the little details. But if you expect the ref is human, I'm going to focus solely on what we can control. I'm in a better mood afterwards. I don't know about everybody else, but I found that players, uh, if you can be that leader and just say, no, no, it's not the ref's fault. We could have done better and we will, we'll do better going forward. But right now that was not, that was not on the ref. We could have done better.
0: That's where you're educating young humans. a great kind of microcosm for life in general. That, that, what can you control?
1: What can you control? Worry right, about yourself. the things you
0: can control. And the, <laughs> at the end of the day, most of the only thing you can c- control is your own reaction to something. Reaction, One like that. thing that you can control, it's your response, your reaction, like mm-hmm. the way you immediate, and I've written about this too, the way you might immediately feel is one thing, but the way you respond to that, that's what you can really control. And the more you can pay attention to that and respond a- appropriately, the better off you're going to be. Right. Yeah. Like, like half most of the stuff that happens in those games, like way beyond your control. Um, It's funny actually, because I'll watch a fair amount of. I'm I'm a soccer fan, so I watch a fair amount Mm -hmm. of like English Premier League soccer. And man, I don't know if it's calculated, but the amount of emotion that gets thrown into some of those games by players and and the coaches on the sidelines is like over the top. Where I just wonder. Are they doing that on purpose? Do they, do they, is Maybe. there an effect they're trying to get, or are they truly sort of that unaware of how ineffective that is, or potentially counterproductive, screaming, yelling, whatever it may be? And then conversely, I look at yeah. someone like Bill Belichick in the NFL, who's so stoic on the sideline, never an emotion, because it's all about it. just like, what can I affect? What, what's the next play? What do I have to think about doing next, right? Um, I love, I, I love, sh-
1: and I, I'm not, I don't watch a whole lot of American football just because I don't have time, but I have seen him. I love how he just remains completely calm. And um, what I think is he gets something that everybody else doesn't. While everyone else is reacting and yelling and raising their own, you know, pu- pumping all sorts of chemicals you don't want in your head as a calm leader into your head, adrenaline, you know, to start with whatever it is. You don't want those emotions. He's saying here, okay, okay, that happened. What's next? So he's always just, his reaction time is faster in terms of what he can control, what he can help. I love that. I love that about him. And I would even go as far as to say, like what you were asking about, uh, how much of that is for sportsmanship. I think there, I've heard that there is a little bit of that, that they play to the crowd. But I think more than that, it's just that the stakes are higher. There's money. There's a bunch. Anytime you have cash cups in Adult League, people go out swinging. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why I completely disagree with having cash cups for Adult League. Someone's going to get hurt. It sounds good in theory, but you see so many injuries because people want money and they want that because they want more opportunities. And so anytime you add, hey, winner gets uh, an extra million dollar bonus, if you're yelling, you're seeing that guy as, I'm not getting my millions. If you were just smarter, I would be a millionaire right now, or i mean, they're already millionaires at that level, right? But I would have more. And so that's where I think it, it gets even harder. And so emotions get a lot more escalated at that level. 30 year old men, you know, that have been training their entire life. They're going out in front of tons of people. They're on television stakes are higher. And I think some of them get that if they go down, they uh, they embellish a little bit that they're kind of playing to their own fan base, you know, to to go, "Hey, ref, boo," but you know, I I would personally not if I ever became a professional coach, which would be amazing, right? To do that, like at some point, I would no plug in there at all, Just- right? No, hey, if anyone wants to hire us, out there, if anyone wants to hire. But let's, I uh, I would not allow my team to behave that way because I just don't think it's productive mentally. I think there's a better way to look at this from a mental fitness perspective.
0: Well, so let's let's that's a good segue. Let's shift back to kind mm-hmm. of coaching the kids, kids yeah. themselves, yep, and how we deal with that. Because one of the things I see these days is at some point in I don't know in the last 10, 20 years there was this shift in a lot of places too. It's all positive. We're never going to, we're never going to criticize oh, yeah. anybody, no matter what happens. You're amazing. <laughs> you're great. Just the way you are. Here's a participation trophy. And, right. and that's potentially had some negative consequences of like, you right. never lose. You never deal with failure. Adversity. Adversity. Yeah, never right. Deal with adversity. So what's your what's your take on that? And 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 there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of people that I think would go one way or the other on this. There's people who are just like you, absolutely shouldn't do that. There's people that are like, oh, you always it's just always got to be positive. I would say personally, I'm sort of a fan of I don't believe in participation medals. No, I don't. Pr- yeah. I don't believe in being negative again and berating people. But if you lose, you shouldn't get a. I mean, that's con- or competition is some is breeds excellence and i'm a big proponent of that so what's your take on that and how we deal with it right
1: i think you and i are in a similar boat on this one because even if you look at uh i think it was they were talking this was hockey then they were talking about it was a team that never made it i'm not sure if you remember what book this is but there was a team that never made it to the championship. They were all, or I think they were always second place, never actually got that reward of being first place. And I think, I can't remember if it was college or professional, I think it was college, but almost every one of those athletes on the second tier team ended up going on to make it to the professional leagues. If I'm remembering, it's too vague of a story. I probably shouldn't have shared it without the full details. (laughs) But I remember at the time what I saw and what they were trying to explain was, uh, if you just feel like you've accomplished, you arrived, then suddenly, you know, you don't work as hard as you may have before. But if you haven't quite, if you have that delayed gratification, you're constantly striving and you're constantly um, finding a way to to justify and validate the loss itself. Like if we never teach kids that you lost, you didn't win this match, you get a trophy no matter what, and they get that feeling of, Oh, it's good enough. Then there wasn't an incentive to correct behavior that wasn't productive. And I've seen this, uh, more so. And I actually struggled with this because remember I had a lot of coaches that would say very negative things. And so I told myself when I was 14, I'm not going to say, say things in that way, but I went too far on the other side. I remember as a young coach, I had a habit that used to infuriate me that I would have a kid miss a shot and I'd say, that was great. That was great. When it obviously wasn't great, but I didn't want to hurt the kid's feelings. I didn't want them to feel what I felt, but I realized I wasn't doing that kid any uh, favors either. Cause even the kid turned, he's like, that wasn't great. Like now he didn't <laughs> trust me as much. <laughs> like, Do great. you even know what you're talking about? Like that was not great. How am I supposed to respect you as a leader? If you're not pointing me in a direction of excellence and so i it was definitely when i uh either it was the last year or two maybe coaching college but i think it was really when i came here that i realized i was coaching a a girls team and i remember i can have a standard without being negative about it and what i substituted that word was um instead of that's great was that's not quite it I i love your energy love your energy but that's not quite it here's actually what i want you to do instead and just being brave enough to say, okay, I am going to correct the behavior. I'm going to give you another tip to be more successful, but not quite. Almost, almost, but try this. So it was, hey, I love the effort. I love where you were thinking. I love the thought, but what about this? And being brave enough to step in and say, okay, I can correct you, just not in a way that's going to make you sound like I don't value you as a person. Does do you think technique- about
0: Change as kids get older, too. Yeah, and person to person. Uh,
1: every person's different. There's not a tube sock method. You can't just go around sounding like a parrot. You have to learn your players. That's one of the biggest thing is how do they like correction? I have had a few kids that came up to me and said, "You can be a little harder on me. Just get." I to had them. that like, too. Well, sh- yeah, I was going to bring it
0: up. Me. I've had a I've had a player say basically, well, "Can you, can you yell at that? us more?"
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, basically, I what them. I heard is they yeah. were like, "Can you correct me in the moment? I don't. I don't need the the nice guy. I get that it was wrong. Just tell me what I want." Better. Other people, if I'll say that, I also have to watch my pronouns. When I first started coaching girls soccer, I coached a U19 girls travel team. And I would come up and say, you kept doing this. You need to do this, this, this. And what did that person hear? Coach hates me. Coach absolutely hates me. It's all me. I'm a terrible person. But when I started coaching some uh, more of my female teams, I would start saying, we, we could do this. And they were already thinking, he's probably talking about me, you know, but I started changing even the pronouns that I used. Um, and sometimes with guys and there's a few girls I've had to do this too. It's like, Hey, are you doing your absolute best out there right now? Is it working? But I try to turn it uh, into a question instead of uh, a statement, a statement closes the mind, a question opens the mind. So if I say, Hey, were you doing your absolute best? No. What could you do that would be better? First off, I, there's been a few times where, and this sounds like such a terrible coach moment, something happened there. The coach, the kid comes to me and he says, coach, what could I do better? I'm like, I wasn't really watching you. (laughs) I wasn't, I missed it. I must've been looking somewhere else. So instead of being an idiot and just babbling on, I'll say, well, you tell me, what did you feel didn't work? And then like, well, I missed that shot. Like, Hmm. What could you do to correct that? You know, so you will even look like a genius if you just turn these into a question, I think. So and back to your original question of do we want kids to just have a participation trophy, never correct them? No, there's a spectrum. Everything in life, there's a there's an extreme on one side or the other, and both are not going to be productive. You have to find balance. And what I found with kids is, no, when we lose, I say, guys, did we deserve to get a medal there? They say, well, no, because we didn't win. We didn't achieve what our goal was. They deserve to get that medal. We deserve to learn from what happened. Uh, like I said, I call it learning accelerators. I've lost some games 12 to zero. And I'd say, okay, guys, there's going to be one point that was glaringly obvious. What did we need to improve? Well, we lost it in the midfield and they kept shooting from halfway and scoring on us. Good. So what can we do in the future? That was almost more. In fact, I would say it was more valuable than a trophy because there's always a team that you can play and win. Right. You could play two years down and be a champion, but you have to have I do believe you have to have some confidence building sometimes where you get it right and you get to be the hero. Sometimes where it's an even game and it could go either way. And then sometimes where you just have to to lose and then handle your emotions, handle, uh, you know, the mistakes and figure out what areas are we not improving in. And how do you feel uh, about all of that? Do you feel like that's closer or am
0: I missing? No, I think it's great. I I mean, again, you're the expert in this, not me. That's why I'm an expert learning
1: every day. Well, but uh, (laughs) again, I think every day.
0: The reason why I wanted to talk to you is because this is something that most of us will deal with at some point in life, which is we will. coaching, having kids playing sports. There's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but there's differences of opinion about how you do yeah. this. And again, A lot of us end up being coaches with really no training as a coach. It's just you're just a parent that probably played the sport. So you know know enough about Mm it where you can volunteer or if you're really lucky, you're at a club that will actually pay coaches to do it. Mm -hmm. But I, I would say it's way outside the norm for any of us to have some kind of training as a coach. Obviously we're parents we're the majority we have of people, our own parenting style. And I think that parenting style probably translates into the way we are as a coach, but it's tricky too, depending on the age group. I think it's different. I think um, to your point, you got to learn people. You got to take feedback too. I will say as a coach, when I finally had a so player much. tell me, <laughs>
1: "It's so good. when I had
0: a player tell me, Hey, can you yell at us more? Essentially that's what he said to me. Yeah. That was the tougher. first time I'd gotten yeah. some feedback like that. That was How did it
1: feel? How did it feel when you first – because um, I know every time I get well, it, it still is a little bit – it hits the ego and I just have to does. dial the ego down.
0: It does. But I know? mean, to me, it was one of those things where I had to like objectively look at myself and say, how are you going to deal with this? Hmm. You're not a professional coach. You have no training in it. Are you going to take that feedback? One, are you going to let a kid's feedback – get you all depressed or something and think, oh, I'm, I mean, that'd be ridiculous. And that kind of is your tendency or my tendency, or is it like, Hey, that was really brave of that kid to do that. And it was right for a, a young kid to come to me and say, Hey, I think you can do better at this. And he did it extremely professionally, privately. Um, I thought it was, I reflected on it. was like, okay, good tip because yeah. i want to be a better coach right so so you have to it was kind of interesting it's flipping things around a little bit and mm-hmm. and thinking oh okay i'm being coached a little bit as a coach and uh and that's valuable feedback because it is. that's going to make us a better team um so it was really really good um coming from you know what i love about them?
1: that is that that is where most people miss it they miss it and they miss so much of their education kids are not stupid they're not I remember as a kid being like, why does nobody listening? I have some ideas that I, they can't be terrible, but why does nobody listen to me? There was that old saying of kids should be seen and not heard. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Kids have a fresh perspective on life. They're seeing the, the world without all the social norms. They're, they're free thinkers. Yeah. And what I have found is that if they're respectful, like it sounds like uh, this person was for you, I've learned way more from kids telling me some things or asking me questions and making me think then I've learned from adults. I've learned a lot from adults, but if you are willing to learn from somebody younger than you that I've even had, I'll tell you this. I went out to, um, I won't throw the town under uh, the bus, but I went out to a place where there's no organized soccer went out camping. And as I was coming back, this happened just yesterday. Um, as I was coming back, I stopped at a local, I guess it was the rec league, them playing each other, boys, girls, different ages. There was three parents out in khaki pants and a shirt, three of them with whistles. I could not tell you what was going on. They were trying to play soccer. And there was a kid on the sideline watching his younger sibling play. And the kid had um, didn't have a giant soccer background, right? I mean, he grew up around there, hadn't been taught much. But I taught him a little trick. And then he ended up, true story, put together these uh, different technical skills in a way that I'd never seen. I was like, that actually would work. And I tried it myself. I was like, I'm going to use that. And so I came in there thinking, okay, nobody here knows soccer. I know soccer at least a little bit more than they might. There's this kid, I'm going to teach this kid a trick, but he ended up teaching me. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm the guy that loves technical ball skills. I'll do all sorts of fancy ball skills, crazy tricks, learn how to meg other people. I love it. It's one of the things I love the most about this game. And so I have, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I have about three, 400 different skill tricks that I'm thinking and processing. But I've always had that mindset of, I could maybe learn something new. And despite what most people think, I don't learn those new tricks from YouTube from the advanced people. I learn them from the kids that maybe accidentally put it together because they don't know how it should look. So they're free thinking and putting things together. And so a testament to your point of I love that you were willing to listen to some to get feedback from a kid. Now, if they came up and it was a matter of respect thing, I think that's a good thing to to listen and to be attentive to uh, as well as look. You got to respect the person in charge. That's a good life lesson. But if they're coming and saying, hey, could you be a little tougher on me? I've had instances where I've had some kids come to me. And sometimes I'm saying, I'm sorry, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to do it because of these reasons. So we're going to continue doing it this way. But if you can also take a second be like, they might be on to something here. What is it that I can learn from a kid? There's been so many times that I will even tell a kid, Hey, I learned something from you as a coach that I'm using. And I'm telling all these other kids, they light up in a way like never before. And that kind of, I even wrote uh, three things down What do kids need? What do kids need in terms for mental health? And there's got to be way more than three, but these are the three that just kept circulating in my mind today. Feeling useful. A kid wants to feel useful too. They want to see where's my place. Do I have anything that I'm good at? Does anybody besides mom and dad see my value as a person? And so how can we as coaches going to that feeling heard? Kids are, in case you haven't worked with kids before, for those of you that are listening, kids are always interested in talking. (laughs) They want to tell you about something that happened or their pet frog that um, died or something, you know, some crazy thing. They want to talk. Can you make a kid feel heard? Like, hey, look, you're important enough that I'm going to listen to you. And three, do you feel safe to explore? Do you feel like they have an ability to venture out? They don't have to be completely shy, but they can go out and create and experiment and be creative. What do you think about those three things? Do you yeah, think that those I, are valuable? I know I'm missing things, but those three things. Oh, keep no, circulating well, in my head. I mean, of course, we all need food, shelter, a lot a of lot, things, but school. No.
0: But those are three things that keep circulating in my head. You know, in well, terms of coaching. I, I think the uh, the feedback from kids as a coach is a really interesting thing because it's something that I, while I, I never really thought about it before. I don't think I would ever directly solicit it. I wouldn't go to a team and say, "Hey, guys, if you ever think think I'm a terrible coach, please come tell me." I don't think I would do that. They would, right? And I think that's what you want to avoid. To Mm -hmm. use a crude analogy, is the sort of inmates running the asylum, right? You don't want that type of a scenario. Yeah. But I think saying, "Hey, we need to make sure that we're all, everyone is able to speak about about what we can do better," to use Mm -hmm. your terminology there make it a we yeah. statement hey guys if you ever think there's something we can do better make sure yeah. you vocalize that and then i think also probably going telling the parents sort of hey if your son or daughter is coming home and saying anything about the team or me or whatever you know feel free to pass that along if you think it's valuable because i think it right. potentially happens that way as well um so let's we're, all, we're we're over an hour at this point. Um yeah. so let's I think probably next 10 15 minutes I want to sure. close this out. But let's um just talk a little bit about you know the mental health in general of of kids as you've seen, right? Like mm-hmm. I st- we started this off saying that there were a number of suicides among teenagers here in the Flathead Valley for um, whatever that was strength uh, length of time, but it was, it was, I, uh, it was shocking for people. Right. And it was, it was, it was a, it was a yeah. number where it was like, what's kind of, is there an issue here? And I'm not saying that had anything to do with sports whatsoever. I'm more saying, is there something we can do with sports to help those types of situations? Right. Is right. there um, an avenue if you have kids that are severely suffering from a mental health perspective, can a coach can sports somehow head that off at the pass? Make sure they get the right help. Have you seen that? Been able, obviously, without yeah. saying any names, but been able to sure. identify stuff like that, where it's a situation where it's like, hey, let's, you know, that's that's something we need to do something about that kind of thing. Yeah. Like
1: you even said, I think having coaches being aware and being properly trained in some ways, you know, to handle situations like that. I can personally say not just here, but back in Virginia where um, I started out, I've had many kids come to me that have been feeling um, suicidal or feeling depressed or feeling like there's nothing to live for. And then on other occasions, you'll hear about it indirectly, maybe from another coach. And so I think we have to look at, obviously, depression, mental health, all of those things are so multifactored that it's not going to just be one thing, right? But like what you said is, can we head some of that off? Can we add in and kick in some energy into some places that may help kids see um, their value. And if you look at, if I'm thinking, you know, cause I've, even as a kid, I struggled with some depression in high school. Um, and it's a very scary place because you just don't feel like a whole lot of people will listen to you at the time. Um, and what I've found is that getting kids around other people, having healthy relationships, that doesn't hurt. Having healthy relationships definitely makes you feel like you've got some people to talk to good communication techniques. Um, The other thing is when you have a coach or a mentor, I call it the third party. It can't just be mom and dad saying you're valuable, you're special, you're important. They get that, but they also feel like you're kind of, you have to say that even though it's not true. Um, And we don't always have parents that, that fill that role in a kid's life. But I've noticed that when a third party can come along that has no real invested interest, there's And either lying or telling the truth that comes up and says, hey, you're really good at this or hey, I love the way that you do this. I love how you cheer people up looking for those moments in players. And it's not just going to be sports related, but sports can be a place that brings us together. I've told there's some kids that maybe they were not as passionate about soccer, didn't have all the technical skills needed to succeed at that moment but I said, Hey, look, I've seen some of your drawings. I mean, this is like a 10 year old kid drawings are incredible. I couldn't draw like that. I love that about that. Have you ever thought about it? Someone else was like, Oh, this, this is just something I'm doodling. It's like, no, it's not like this. This is something great trying to find little moments in just people seeing people as people and saying, you're really good at this. You know, have you thought about going farther with it or what got you into it? Showing people that they have value because we all have value of some, um, of some uh, level on this planet, but what I've found that adds value? How do you add value to yourself? Well, if, first off, if you can look at yourself of I'm already valuable just for being me, that's the most healthy place to start. But what I found also doesn't hurt is learning a skill set. You learn some new skills. First off, the act of learning usually kicks in some positive endorphins because you understand reality a little bit better. But I found in terms of sports. That when i can teach kids technical skills and they can mega friend or they can score goals or they can beat defenders and do some cool dribbling tricks their confidence goes way up they're like i'm good at something and like you even said this is a social construct we just paint some lines on a field and tell a blue a team in blue pennies and red pennies to go out and play a game and solve puzzles but it's a simulation that we're creating so that these kids can learn life lessons And that's why I think it's important that we don't do the whole, everybody gets a trophy thing, but in terms of mental health, how can we head it off? I think the coach has a very big role. The coach needs to be actively thinking I do it every day. I've just trained myself to do it every day. Is there a kid here that maybe is getting picked on or a kid that just looks with their body language, less confident out of it. And can you go check on that person? Hey, how are you doing? Fine. How was school? Fine. Now, how are you really doing? Tell me about school. Ask maybe better questions. Hey, what can you tell me about school today? Oh, we did this and this. Oh, it sounds like it was a boring day, you know, empathize with them a little bit, but try to show them that you care about them outside of the sport. doesn't matter win or lose. I care about you as a human being. You doing okay. I think that that opens a door for communication. And we've had several players that have trusted us saying, look, I don't feel like I can talk to mom and dad about it, or maybe I already have, but I need to talk to somebody else. I'm not feeling too good. And I've talked with several kids. And by the way, when you jump into this role, no one's ever thinking those are the moments that are going to happen, but they happen if you're willing to, to have those open ended um, communication with players. I found that a big part of what I do is not just coaching soccer. But it's being there in those hard moments where they don't have anybody else to talk to.
0: Well, and so we've uh, there's have talked
1: several kids out of some some terrible things, or at least into a better headspace.
0: Two things. Uh, two kind of last questions yeah. here. One is about that, which is, I think there's a hesitancy potentially these days with especially parents that become coaches because mm-hmm. we have to take all these courses, or and and they're good. We should take them, like safe sports stuff. And yep. other things that talk about inappropriate relationships with players, yeah because some right. people unfortunately, abuse their positions and do you things to like be that. aware of it. Yeah. Um, and that's I'm glad that there's training, obviously, I guess, to head that off at the pass or whatever, right like I mean, yeah, um, it's important. it's important. important. but I think because of that, it's it's made people hesitant to have any type of relationship with. Hmm. kids because they're afraid that it can be perceived Persephone. as inappropriate right true and i think that's a. and i don't know what the solution is there but to me that's well, a little one bit thing
1: to, one thing to add go that ahead i didn't clarify that's very important i'm glad you brought this up is it shouldn't be one-on-one communication with the player where there's no one else around um i it should be at least two adults you know, usually when we're talking with people, there's another person that's there. Could be the adult, could be the mom or dad, but usually it's another coach. Um, but thankfully, due to safe sport training, you have to also be aware of perception. How does it look to someone that maybe is looking at it from a distance? Right. And so I think that's, that's very important. And I think if you have a well-trained staff and you can go into it with two people, I've never... Been in a situation where I wasn't grateful that other person was there because they contributed some ideas of their own, um, and then all of a sudden it wasn't just one person cares about me; it was two or three, it was more than one person. I think that's good for the kid to understand as well as hey, it's not just one coach that that sees your value; it's more than one person, and sometimes that can help open a little door in reality of now I've got two people to talk to, uh, but there should always be another adult present. Um, in those interactions because of exactly what you just said.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that I, I guess I worry a little bit about because I think people are so feel like they have to walk on eggshells so much that you potentially lose, you you know what I mean? That you lose the the ability for great people out there to become mentor coaches because a a great coach is a mentor is someone that like, it is. You know, mentors. mentorship
1: in itself is having to go through a, an evolution. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's how but, it used to be. And you and can't there great have people that, that, that. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is like, you can't have that without having a relationship with people. Right. That's true. So obviously a professional relationship, but, but yeah. also, also like a personal relationship. Some of my best, the te- like, uh, not so much coaches for me, but teachers, I've got a couple teachers from my yeah, time teachers. when I was yeah, a kid same. in high school. Who And one has unfortunately passed away, but who I still keep in touch with because they became friends of mine, which means right. at some point we had a teacher-student relationship mm-hmm. and that became a personal relationship that was totally appropriate, right? Right. Um, As adults, and I And right. I think that um, I just worry a little bit about us losing that because we're so worried about inappropriate it relationships. And, and we should be, but it's... Um, it's one of those I things that know what you're saying
1: because you and I we've all had those experiences and we don't want the negative few the people that are doing terrible things to impact something that's very healthy everywhere right. else right it's usually exactly. the few that ruin it for the many <laughs> yes. but what I what I felt like is thankfully I don't feel like we're losing it I feel like it's it's evolving because we're aware of how, of how that looks like but we're also transitioning into how can we get a great deal for everybody involved. How can we have two people, two adults there, um, or a healthy, you know, balance where there's maybe another parent or someone like that where you can still go around. And where I found that you're developing those relationships the most is in the group we're playing in a game. Hey, that was really good. Those little conversations are building trust, building empathy. And then when someone wants to come to you with that, you know, harder piece of advice, you know having the importance of an, as an assistant coach that's with you um, is very important as well just cuz it is going through a transition and I don't want to lose it however i've just seen some things go completely south the other way you know where there's been inappropriate things said to kids or damaging things like you even said neither you or me we're not psychiatrists so if a kid is coming to me with hey, I'm feeling suicidal. It's not like, let me solve your problem. It's let me be the first step. But then there's a pathway. How can we get you involved with counseling? How can we connect you into a place where these people are highly trained to deal with it? I just see myself as the first step in a series of things that need to transpire after it, um, instead of just the psychiatrist, because I don't want to go out and give somebody advice that they do. And then it gets them in trouble with their parents or something like that. I'm not a trained counselor, but I think that our role is that first stepping stone can be critical in helping these kids feel like somebody cares. Somebody cares enough to look out for me. And then uh, how we communicate the next steps going forward is important as well.
0: So last thing, which I think is appropriate to end on here, which is most kids that anyone coaches are not going to become professional athletes. True. That's just yeah. the reality. A very, yeah. very, very small number will do that. So to me, it really is. I mean, yes, developing skills, that's, that's cool. So they can yeah. become a coach when they're an adult or a parent. Sure. But most of what it is, is really a mental, it's a mental skill set development
1: mm-hmm. thing. Right? It is. I love you to me. it you say like that.
0: And so my question would be, what are those, and I have my own opinions about this, but what are sure. those skill sets, right? What, is, what does kids participating in sports do for them ultimately from a life lesson, life skill de- development standpoint outside of the sports skills that they get? Sure. What are those mo- the most important things that a kid gets yeah. out of what they do?
1: What I found is that soccer and sports in general, it brings different social classes together. It brings different races together. It brings people that maybe you would never have interacted with together. And then we have to find a way to work as a unit towards a common goal. And so I think that throughout life, if you're a part of this world and you're not just a hermit that's doing something, maybe online working, you have to allow some amount of training and human to human interaction and developing some interactions that are not going to be as positive, And how do you deal with that? And in youth sports also, you're going to touch on every emotion from jealousy, excitement, you know, happiness, anger, frustration, doubt. You're going to Put yourself through a range of emotions or at least see a range of emotions and have to interact with those people. So I think that those communication skills and building and working together as a team with people and a variety of their emotional states from different backgrounds, from different life stories is huge. And it's that's one of the biggest things that it, it did for me. But second, teaching yourself um, how to properly train your body. As you get older past, you know, the elementary school soccer, you're really learning how to train. You're teaching kids, how are you going to go train yourself? And I think that that's a fantastic life skill in terms of mental fitness. Long term, you train your body and you're training your mind. And I think it's going to keep you healthier. It's going to allow you to do more things in life going forward. Um, you're going to have a variety of different teachers in life and being willing to accept feedback from someone, sometimes it's not going to be great. Sometimes, uh, it will be done per, it will be done very correctly. I I would say, but it's allowing you to put yourself and if you're a parent, put your kid into a situation where they're going to develop social skills. They're going to develop a sense of working hard. I even found for me personally that because I was very serious is I owned my own development and I still do that today. No one's responsible for making me smarter. I go and I get the books myself. I'm studying. I'm owning my own education. I'm owning my own development as a uh, physical trainer, as a coach and educator. And I think putting some onus on the kids to say, hey, you're going to own this. If this is something you're passionate about, you've got to go make the difference between being not quite there and being able to excel in high pressure situations. And last, it's dealing with pressure it's pressure in a game. There's social pressure. As you get older, there's the fans, right? There's the disappointing feeling of not doing well enough if you don't perform well. So it's handling your own self. And like you even said, I love that you said it's like a mental game. It is. This is well, all a way to train your mind if done productive. There's productive and unproductive ways to do it. Yeah. hundred percent. What, I mean, what are some areas no, that no, I'm That, I'm not, that, might that might is it. Busy? I
0: mean, to me, it's the more I think about it as a parent with three kids who do all sorts of different sports, yeah. there's value. Obviously, there's value there from a physical fitness standpoint, which is great. Right. But I would say most of it isn't that, really from a, life, yeah. from a life lesson, life training standpoint. It's all those other things you mentioned. It is working as a team. It's learning how to lead. It's learning how to follow. It's learning how to deal with disappointment, which is why the Brand. participation trophy thing is such a bad idea. Yeah. Because Brand. sports, kids sports is such a great place to learn failure in a very low risk environment. Who yeah. cares? Right? There's Whatever. nothing really at stake there. It's we just lost a sphere a, a, a going game.
1: through a square. That's what I tell people. spear sphere going through a square. A sphere going through a <laughs> square. A through like, oh, a square. Man. Right. That's it. You know, right. it's a philosophy. It, right. exercise, no one's, really.
0: no one's going to, no one's getting truly injured. I mean, yes, people get injured in Hopefully sports, obviously, but, yeah. but, but it's not life or death. The risks are so low there. And mm-hmm. because of that, it's such a fantastic place to learn all these life lessons that are all mental things, all those right. approaches. And that's why when I hear about sports going away and schools, and I just think it's such a, terrible, terrible idea. There's so many things you can't, you don't learn as well. And and to your point, and under pressure and under physical strain, right? Learning to deal with being uh, uncomfortable physically and how you push through that, which is again, a mental challenge is so valuable. And the last thing I'll say is, I think going back to something we talked extensively about the other piece is we should all look as coaches and parents about how we continue to learn from kids' sports being on that side of things. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just about what the kids learn now, as a parent on the sideline. What can you learn about yourself when you're screaming at the referee about how you handle adversity or disappointment? And I think it's that's just a as really
1: much a training ground for parents, as it right. is the players if you that's let right. it. It, can, that's it right. can make you, it's going to test you. Your and kid's going to get is, hit in the back, right? And
0: the point is, it's, it's, gonna it's test like one of these emotions. things that it's free training, right? I mean, yeah, like, okay, you probably paid to have your kids play this sport, but oh yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. free lesson yeah. uh, on the weekend of, did I let that get me wound up? Did I let mm-hmm. some referee who's getting minimum wage to, to ref this game and he made one bad call? Did I let that ruin my day? Did I fly off the handle right. about that? That's a really good training ground for yourself it is um, yeah so um, i think that ties okay, well, it
1: all together very nicely
0: well hey fern it's great talking to you man like i said i really value your input i i and i i truly mean it um that i think you're one of the best if not the best coach I, i've ever come across like in terms of your oh,
1: thank you so much your attitude really your approach that.
0: it's just it's i've worked with you personally obviously and really enjoyed that so i truly value your your opinion on these things and i think it's it's something like I said for most of us out there as parents, it's going to become a part of our lives and right and like a for a portion of our lives, a big part of our lives is it can be di- taking know, kids, kids to different sporting events, and it. so it's a valuable place where we can learn how how to interact with all the people at play here: our kids, the referees, the coaches, ourselves, mentally, and like what we're doing to make the experience that much better. So, really appreciate the insight. I agree
1: there. completely. Thank you so much. And thank you for doing these podcasts, you know, uh, because every time I listen to it, I'm learning something that I can take with me and go apply. That's what I love. I love knowledge that can be applied into life. And so thank you for taking the time to do these podcasts and for having me on. I really do appreciate it. This has
0: been great. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. See ya. See ya. See ya.